In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, didn't he? Look at those stars. It's magnificent. There are 100 billion stars in our galaxy. And then there are 100 billion galaxies in the universe. Isn't that incredible? And God knows all those stars by name. And then we look at our earth where we live. Amazing. 7,926 miles in diameter. Beautiful. Stunning. Two-thirds of our planet is covered with water, the oceans. One-third landmass, the continents where we live. 7.3 billion people live on this planet that God has created, and that's a lot of people. One million is a lot. Do you know how long it would take to count just to one million, going one digit per second, 24 hours a day? It would take you two weeks, just one million. Do you know how long it would take to count to one billion? 32 years. And to count to 7.3 billion, 240 years. So if that's on your bucket list, you want to do that, you might want to get started right now. The United States, where we live, it's an amazing country. 323 million people. Amazing fact about the United States, when you think about it, it's, it's a relatively small country in relation to the whole world. Only 6% of the total land mass is in the United States, and only 5% of the total world population is in our country. An amazing fact about our country, which is mind-blowing, is that of all the Christians on planet Earth, 6% live in the United States, but watch this. 50% of all Christian wealth lives and is here in our country. One out of every two dollars of Christian wealth is in the United States. Is that telling us something about God's plan for our nation? Is Genesis chapter 12 verse 2 true? That God has blessed us to be a blessing to the nations. I mean, could God, His plan be for us not to expand our standard of living, but our standard of giving and to impact the nations? Think about that. We'll come back to that in a little bit. So good morning, huh? Welcome. It's good to see you here this morning. And I get to talk the whole Sunday about missions. (laughs) My favorite topic to talk about. And I'm thrilled. Thank you. It's good that you're here this morning. Now, typically, when I speak to you about missions, and I've been doing this 30 years, I talk to you about what God is doing around the world, and I tell you amazing stories of our partners, and, and, and it is incredible to hear those kind of uh, messages. But this morning, I want to talk to you about why we do what we do as a church with our missions program. You see, God has given us a very special and unique, in many ways, one-of-a-kind missions programs at our church, the heritage that we have received of an amazing wise board at our church that keeps this on track. And I want you to understand why we do what we do. And in order to do that, I kind of bring you on, I need to bring you on a journey. And, I need to, and it's filled with statistics and facts and kind of new concepts for you and pictures. I need to paint a picture for you of what God's doing around the world and then tie in why we do what we do to, that matches that. Now, this is the thing. You have an outline this morning, but I'm asking that you not take notes. And the reason for that is I don't want you to miss anything. I want you to receive this morning what God wants you to hear. And also, you can download all of my facts and statistics later, and I'll tell you how to do that, okay? And by the way, also, I've never preached a message like this. 
and it may totally bomb. <laughs> and if it does, I promise I'll never do it again. And, uh, but then again, it might be really cool, and so I can definitely give you more, okay? Let's begin with just something that's true about all of us. It's uh, yet a profound truth that maybe we don't think about a lot. It's this. Every person here has a worldview. You have a worldview. I have a worldview. Your worldview is how you see the world. It's not how you woke up this morning and looked in the mirror and saw yourself. It's also not how you see the United States. It's how you see the 7.3 billion people on our planet. That is your worldview. Now, for all of us as individuals, our worldview is partial because we are not all-knowing. God's worldview is perfect because God is omniscient. He knows everything about those 7.3 billion people. He loves each and every one. He knows what's going on in their life. He knows what's going on in their country. He has a perfect worldview. As a matter of fact, Psalm 33 verse 13 says, From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. God has a perfect worldview. My goal this morning for you is this, that there just be one thing said this morning that will allow your worldview to become a little bit more like God's worldview. And if that happens, to God be the glory. That's my only goal this morning. And I believe God has brought you here to move you to get your eyes off yourself and onto him and what he's doing around the world. There's something very health-giving about that and biblical, and it's very important for our lives. Now, let's begin with just uh, trying to get our minds around 7.3 billion people. When you think of that many people, it's just like hard to even begin to grasp that, right? It is. But let's suppose we took those 7.3 billion people and we brought them, reduced them down to a single global village of just 100 people. What would then the world look like? Well, 60 people would be Asian. So any Asian here this morning? Anyone here? There are a lot of you. <laughs> 60 out of 100 people are Asian. My friend Barnabas, some of you know Barnabas. He serves in China, Chinese, and he's out to reach the whole country of China for Christ. And one day I asked Barnabas, I said, Barnabas, when you get to heaven, you see God one day, what's going to be the question you're going to ask him? And, he, and I, I couldn't believe it. He said, God, why are there so many Chinese? And there are. I mean, there's 1.1 billion Chinese, you know. 60 would be Asian, 15 would be African, 11 would be European, 8 would be Latin American, 5 would be American or Canadian if the world were just 100 people, and 1 would be from the South Pacific. Another way to look at it, 82 would be non-white, 18 would be white, 33 would be Christian, 67 would be non-Christian. So what does that tell us? Well, it tells us this, and this, add this to your worldview, is that we live in a world that's predominantly non-American, non-white, and non-Christian. Let that come into your worldview. Now, what on earth is God doing with these 7.3 billion people? And the answer is amazing things, incredible things. As a matter of fact, Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 5 says, Look at the nations and watch. When you're watching TV, when you're looking at the nations, watch and be utterly amazed. For I'm going to do something in your days that you could not believe even if you were told. Now that was for a different time in history that I don't have to go into the context, but I believe there's a rippling effect of that scripture that is speaking about today prophetically. Now here's the problem. We tend to get our news, our worldview, from the Western media. And the Western media 
gives us great insight about what man is doing around the world, but not what God is doing around the world. And so I want to give you some statistics of what God is doing around the world that will probably blow your mind, okay? So let's talk about the status of Christianity in the world for a little bit, okay? I'm just going to give you a few stats. There are so many, but these are kind of key. Now, you remember that Jesus, he said, he made this promise in Matthew 16, 18. He said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Jesus is saying, I'm going to build my church. That's not a building. He's saying, I'm going to build my people, those born again by the Spirit of God who put their faith in Jesus. I'm going to build a people. Now, the church, God's people, is far bigger than you would ever imagine or most Americans that they understand. And frankly, most Christians, their worldview, again, even many Christians is influenced so much by the Western media, you, you need a message like this to understand what God's doing. So let's talk about Christianity. It is by far the world's largest religious group. One-third of the world's population, or 2.3 billion people, claim to be Christian. Now, that doesn't mean they're all evangelicals, but under the banner of Christianity, and we shouldn't doubt this. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church, and he's doing it. Now, let's go back 1,900 years. Let's talk about world population per believer back then. In AD 100, get your mind around that, only one in every 360 people was a believer. Today, one in every 7.3 people is a believer. Jesus said, I will build my church. He's doing it. Here's another fact. In the last 100 years, picture the last 100 years, the number of Christians on our planet has quadrupled. What God is doing in the last 100 years is absolutely amazing. Um, it's estimated that every single day, 82,000 people become Christians. Every single day. This day, 82,000 people around the world will give their life to Jesus Christ. Let me give you a fact. The greatest movements of God, where thousands are coming to Christ, are not taking place in Western countries or among Western pastor, pastors or missionaries, but it's taking place in the lives of national indigenous pastors and missionaries working in non-Western countries. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, let me give you a stat, a fact. In China, it's estimated the church is growing at 10,000 new believers every single day. Every single day. This is unprecedented. We've never seen this in the history of Christianity. Every day in China. At the end of the Chinese Cultural Revolution in 1976, it was estimated that only 100,000 Christians survived that slaughter. And it was a slaughter. Today, it's estimated there are 100 million Christians in China and growing. This is what Jesus is doing. Let's talk about the Islamic world. More Muslims have become Christians in the last 15 years, watch this, than in the last 15 centuries combined. In the last 15 years. You don't hear about this on the news. But God is doing amazing work in the Islamic world. In India, let's talk about Hindus. 15,000 new believers are baptized every single month. I just received a text from a pastor that I'm associated with in India. And uh, he has a movement, and he organized 60,000 Christians for this global outreach day. You see a picture of it there. They distributed 1.1 million gospel tracts, seeing thousands turn to Jesus Christ. Let's go to Africa for a moment. In the year 1900, picture 100 years ago. There were fewer than 9 million Christians. Picture that number. 
Today, there are over 541 million. Are you tracking that? In the last 15 years alone, the church in Africa has seen a 51% increase. Did you hear that? It's amazing. I just received an email from an organization we're friends with, and just their organization alone that's targeting Africa. Uh, in the last 10 years, they have seen 350,000 Muslims turn to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Africa, by the way, is the first continent in the world to become the majority Christian, 51% in a single century. It's incredible what God's doing. Yeah, hallelujah. I know I'm coming rapid fire here, but believe me, I'm just giving you a snippet. In Nepal, I just came back from Nepal. The reason I went to Nepal is we're seeing something in this country that's never been seen before. Per capita, more people are coming to Jesus in Nepal than any place on the planet right now. 100,000 Hindus have come to Christ in the last two decades in Nepal. Total churches opening worldwide every single week is 3,500 churches per week are opening. I'm not talking about physical buildings. The majority of the church is in homes, but nevertheless, churches are being birthed in an, in an amazing way. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. He's doing it. Patrick Johnson said this. He said, we are living in the time of the greatest ingathering of people into the kingdom of God the world has ever seen. This is what's happening. Jesus said, I will build my church, and he's doing it all over the world, and it's exciting, and to God be the glory. Now, that's the great news, okay? Wouldn't it be great if we could just kind of, okay, let's go home. <laughs> let's talk, though, about the global challenge today, okay? With over 7.3 billion people in the world, 5 billion are still not Christians. Now, let that sink in. Now, Jesus told us, that's you and me, in Mark 16, 15, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. That's all 7.3 billion people. And the Bible reveals in a very important scripture about Jesus' second coming as it relates to missions. When will Jesus Christ return? You've asked that question. We all have. And you know the Bible answers that question. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 14, And this gospel of the kingdom, Jesus said, will be preached into the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. In other words, Jesus will not return to earth, that's his second coming, until the gospel has been preached to all the nations. Now the word nations is the Greek word ethnos, which means ethnic group or people group. Now let me give you a def definition. Just get your mind around this. An ethnic group or a people group is defined as a homogenous group of individuals, families, or clans who share a common language or sense of ethnic identity. For example, uh, in the United States, there are hundreds of different people groups in our own country. In San Francisco alone, there are 112 different languages spoken. So there are different people groups, ethnic groups ethnoses all over the world. Now, missiologists who are experts in this, who study the world, have identified 16,528 different people groups in our world today. And that's counting every group once for each country in which they reside. Now, I've studied this in depth. I understand there's different ways to count how many people groups there are in the world, depending on your definition of a people group. 
and I'm quoting for this message's sake, the Joshua Project, which is the most admired organization and most quoted out there for looking at people groups. Now, if we break those 16,528 groups down that are on our planet, 9,841 of those people groups have a gospel witness in them. We call these reach countries. That doesn't mean everyone's a Christian, but it means there's a gospel presence there. 6,687 are unreached people groups. They're still yet to even hear about Jesus. So what does this mean? It means this for your worldview. Three billion people, one-third of the world, have no visible witness for Christ. They're never going to hear about Christ unless someone goes to their culture and tells them three billion people have never heard the name of Jesus on our planet. Furthermore, 70,000 people in the unreached world die every day without Jesus Christ. Now, let's put a face to this. What do you mean by an unreached person, Mark? I, I'm trying to get my mind around this. So let me show you a picture. This is a man that I met in India, and he was my driver. And I talked to him afterwards through an interpreter. And uh, in India, Hindus, they worship 33 million gods. And I asked him if he ever heard of the name Jesus. He said no. And I took him through the gospel, explained who Jesus is, what he did, went to the cross, and through faith he can have forgiveness. The man right there prayed to receive Christ. That's a picture that we took of him after he gave his heart to the Lord. There are three billion people on our planet like him who have never, ever even heard the name Jesus. You can look at it this way. How long do you think it takes the average person in the United States to hear about Jesus? One week? One month? Two months? Then you'd hear about Jesus? In Afghanistan, the average inhabitant will hear about Jesus once every 30.5 years. That's called an unreached people group. In India, there are 500,000 villages that have never heard the name Jesus. I did not say 500, and I did not say 5,000. That is not a typo. 500,000 villages that have never heard the name of Jesus. I've been in those villages. Wow. Now, the majority of unreached people live in an area called the 1040 window. That's a rectangular section of the globe located between 10 to 40 degrees north of the equator that roughly encompasses North Africa, the Middle East, and Asia. Okay, just kind of picture that the best you can with that picture. The 1040 window, this is a, a, ge a geographic term, it's also a missions term. It, it's the darkest and least Christian area in the world. It's home to 4.5 billion people. 86% of the world's unreached people live in that area that you're seeing. 82% of the poorest of the world's poor live there. It's the main centers of Islam, Buddhism, and Hinduism. It also represents the least resourced investment by global followers of Jesus. 85% of these countries do not allow Western missionaries to come in and freely share the gospel and plant churches in these areas. People always ask me, Mark, what is the largest unreached people group in the world? And that's the Sheikh of Bangladesh with over 132 million individuals. Roughly half of the population of the United States is in that unreached people group. 132 million people have never been reached for Christ. Now you're going to see a picture here. And what you're going to see is in the red area, that's the 1040 window. That is where the majority of unreached people live. Add that 
to your worldview. Now, I'm going to tell you later how you can get more information about unreached people groups, but let's come to this. So what's the solution? Three billion people that have never even heard the name Jesus. What is the solution? I heard a quote a while ago that rocked my world. Oswald Smith said this, Why should anyone hear the gospel twice before everyone has heard it once? Think about that. Let's talk about the problem. The problem is not the harvest. People are ready to place their faith in Jesus. 82,000 people a day are coming to know Christ. The gospel is absolutely powerful. The Great Commission is being fulfilled like never before, before our very eyes. And by the way, the completion of the Great Commission does not mean an entire nation or even an entire people group needs to receive Christ. It just means that every people group on our planet, every ethnic group, must have a chance to hear the gospel preached to them in their language, and then Christ will return. That is what the Great Commission is. So the problem is not the harvest. The gospel is powerful. People are turning to Jesus. The problem is also not a lack of resources. Now, listen to this stat. For every single unreached people group in the world today, and that's 6,687, there are 900 evangelical churches. Did you follow that? So the Sheikh of Bangladesh, that one unreached people group, there are how many? There are 900 evangelical churches that could target that one unreached people group. For every one of these unreached people groups, there are 78,000 evangelical Christians. 78,000. Just let that sink in. And the annual income of evangelical Christians is approximately $7 trillion. Listen to this. Evangelical Christians could provide all the funds needed to plant a church in each of the 6,687 unreached people groups. We could complete the Great Commission with only 0.03% of our income. Wow. You say, Mark, what is going on? K.P. Yohannan, missionary statesman, he sums it. He says this, The single greatest hindrance to world evangelization right now is the lack of total involvement by the body of Christ. The problem is not that the gospel isn't powerful. It's not that we have a lack of money. The challenge is twofold. Challenge number one is we have a lack of missionaries. Jesus said, go and make disciples. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Let's talk about the workers. There are 400,000 missionaries serving the world, with 127,000 sent out from the United States. We are the greatest sending nation in history. And that's great news that we've sent that many missionaries, but that's not nearly enough. We need ten thousands, thousands of more, tens of thousands of more missionaries. And watch this. They are there. And they are ready to go. Challenge number two is we have a lack of funding for those indigenous missionaries who are trained and ready to go. Romans 10, 15 says, how can they preach, Paul said, unless they are sent? How can they go unless they're sent? Now listen to this. For the first time in Christian history, we have more indigenous national missionaries trained and ready to go than there are funds to support them. This has never happened in the history of Christianity. I wish I had a time to take you through the history of missions and what it has done today. But what this means is this. Let's take China, for example. There are 456 unreached people groups in China, and there are thousands of trained pastors ready to lay their life down for Jesus Christ, men like these and women like these that we go train, 
but there are hundreds and there are thousands of these ready to go. They don't have the money to go. The money's not getting to them. And they're working two, three jobs trying to make ends meet. They've been trained. They like to go, but they don't have the money to go. You go to India. There are 2,233 unreached people groups in India, and there are thousands of trained ready to go. But they don't have the money. Here's one of the pastors that we support. And I'm in this village of 600 families. He went there. They'd never heard about Jesus. He preaches the gospel. All 600 families turn to Jesus Christ, the entire community. And then he's overwhelmed. He has five other communities of 600 as well that want to respond and turn to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. You go to Nepal, where I just came back from. 233 unreached people groups. There's hundreds of trained pastors. I had one woman that is trained and ready to go with tears in her eyes. She's saying, Pastor, my dream is to serve God full time. I just don't have the money to do that. In the United States, you see, we have the funds. We just are not designating those funds to these indigenous trained missionaries. Now, let me give you a very sobering statistic about the church in the United States. American churches spend 95% of their offerings on home-based ministry. 95% of offerings go to us. We're self-serving. 4.5% of our American missionary support, uh, or goes 4.5% 4, 4 of the remaining goes to American missionary support and less than 1% on indigenous missionary support or foreign missionary work. Unfortunately, that is not the case at Three Crosses. And I'm going to share with you a little bit our missions program and our missions budget. But that is a fact for the church at large in the United States. Now, here's the point. The American church is amazingly blessed. But for the most part, we are not investing our missions money into the most incredible missions opportunity in the 21st century, which is thousands of trained indigenous foreign missionaries. And by the way, how blessed are we in the United States? Oh, have you ever traveled outside our country? You need to, so it'll help your worldview begin to understand how wealthy we are. I shared with you this stat earlier. The United States has only 6% of the total Christian population, but 50% of all the Christian wealth on the planet resides in our little country. I, that's amazing. Here's another way to look at it. If you earn more than $37,000 per year, and you almost can't survive in the Bay Area if you're living, if you have less than that, if you earn more than that, you are in the top 4% wage earners in the world. See, 3 billion people on our planet live on $3 or less per day. The average American lives on $105 per day. $3 a day, 3 billion people, 105 an American. We are so wealthy. Now watch this. Don't feel guilty. That's not the point. Feel incredibly blessed. We are blessed. And you and I can make a huge impact with just a small portion of our money. One pastor, he was saying to his congregation, I've got good news and I've got bad news. The good news, we have all the money we need to complete and reach our objective. The bad news, it's in your pocket. <laughs> but at least we have money in our pocket. For example, right now, on our church campus, we have at least $10 million just sitting around. You say, how? What do you mean? Well, we have 715 parking spots. The average used car in the United States is worth 15,000. 15,000 times 715 is $10,725,000. We have two services, so we have over $20 million just sitting around. 
Now, I'm not saying go out and sell your car. Don't do that. You'll get me in trouble. Then again, it might solve our parking problem. You know, that could be a good thing. I'm just saying we could sell our car and give it to missions. Wow. The world, they don't have that for the most part to even think about selling something to give away. Now, question. This should be the question you're asking. Why does the American church invest only 0.5% of their missions giving, which comes out to be $250 million per year, to support the indigenous missionary global movement? And I research, I've researched this for years. This is the answer. Why? 90% of the churches and pastors, oh Lord, they don't even know that an indigenous missionary movement exists. They don't even know it exists. Most churches in our country, they're beautiful churches. There are 350,000 Protestant churches in the United States. Most all of them have an American short-term missions program. They have an American career missions program. They send missionaries all over the world. But beloved, missions for the most part for the American church is, is self-serving. It's about them. We spend $2.5 billion on sending us around the world. We spend $250 million supporting men and women in these countries that are willing, they're trained, they don't have the money to go. Short-term and career missions is great. We do it. I believe in it. But it will never reach the three billion unreached. Why? Because Americans can't even go into these countries for the most part to share the gospel. I mean, are we serious as a church about reaching and completing the Great Commission for which the Lord has called us? By the way, of the 400,000 missionaries sent out into the world, 90% of them serve in already reached countries. Why? It's the only place we can go. At Three Crosses, we say, do American short-term missions, do American career missions, but by all means, please support, add support for the global indigenous missionary movement, which is the cutting edge of missions in the 21st century. The good news is that God will accomplish his purpose. It's only a matter of when and through whom. And I'm praying for an awakening in the church of Jesus Christ in our country. Now, with all this in mind, let me just talk to you about our Three Crosses humble global missions program. Hopefully this backdrop will help you understand a little bit as to why we do what we do, why we support hundreds of indigenous missionaries. Bob Pierce said this, let my heart be broken by the things that break the heart of God. And I believe that God's heart is broken over three billion people who've never heard about his son. And I believe as we begin to see the world the way God sees it, our heart will be broken for those things as well. So what is our Three Crosses Global Missions Program? It begins with this. Every Christian is a missionary. We believe that. Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. It starts here, praise the Lord, it goes around the world. And today it's kind of the global program. So let me give you a picture of our missions program and talk about it. It can be pictured with this threefold triangle. And short-term missions, there on the bottom left, bottom left side, it's, it gets 10% of our budget, short-term missions. And we support approximately 50 individuals annually who go out serving all over the world. 
we view a first step experience to go to Mexico. We planted the church there, and we see dozens and dozens of people every year go to Mexico. It gets 10% of our budget. And then we do career missions. 10% of our budget goes here. We support, on average, seven members from our church who feel called to go globally somewhere and serve the Lord as a full-time missionary. So like the Odoms, Randy Odom in Cambodia is doing a marvelous job. 10% of our budget goes to that. We believe in short-term and career missions. But then we have missions partnerships. 80% of our money goes to these areas. We support 10 organizations that help us fund over 600 indigenous missionaries serving in the most explosive areas on the planet for evangelism and church planting, reaching thousands of unreached people groups around the world. So let me tell you just about one of our partners. I wish I had time to tell you about more. But through Barnabas and Partners, we support 100 Chinese pastors one of these pastors, I've talked to you about him before. His name is Snowman. Snowman is a Chinese pastor who uh, a few years back was brought into uh, an interrogation experience with the police. He was tortured. They forced him, tried to force him to recant his faith in Jesus. He said no. Out of frustration, they brought him outside. It was winter. There was snow on the ground. They tied his hands behind his back. Tied him upside down with a rope, hung him on a tree to die. Went home, slept, left him there, came back in the morning, and lo and behold, emanating from his body is steam. They cut him down, and he received the name Snowman. He leads a ministry in China that we support that leads one, a million Christians are part of his movements. This is just one man and a movement, just one of many in China. Through this one organization that we support in 2015, this is what God did. New churches planted, 1,504. New Christians, 142,723. This doesn't include our nine other partnerships and the amazing things that God is doing in India and Nepal and Nigeria and Bangladesh and Cuba. By the way, in Cuba, the average pastor will lead 100 people to Christ in a year, and they will plant two churches, and you can support one of our Cuban pastors. Many of you do that for $25 a month or $300 a year. Do you know how much it costs to send a, an American missionary into a foreign uh, country to live there for a year? $100,000 on average. Or you can support a Cuban pastor for $300 a year. On average, it's 20 times more to send an American into the foreign field than it is a national. What I want to say to you is this. Thank you, Three Crosses. It is the greatest privilege of my life to serve in this church. Amen. Your giving, your heart for missions is incredible. I mean, 50 short-term missionaries every year going out. Thank you. Our career, career missionaries, 600 indigenous pastors reaching the world for Christ. We, say, we see every year in our church, and I humbly say this, a minimum of 160,000 people come to Christ through your giving and support. That's 438 people per day. That's 18 people per hour because of this church. One of the reasons why God has blessed this church is because we give to what's local and to what is global in an astounding way to God be the glory. Yeah. When I think about our church's uh, missionary giving and the hearts of its people, I think of this scripture in Luke 16, 9, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves, 
so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Many of you, when we go to, when we go to heaven, I just believe for you, as you're walking down those streets, you're going to have people come up to you from Nigeria and Africa and Cuba and say, thank you for giving to the Lord because I'm here today because of that pastor you supported that preached the gospel. And God's going to make all these connections. It's worth it, beloved. Okay, I need to wrap this up by doing a couple things. First of all, if you, your heart has been stirred here today and you're like, Mark, this whole idea of just, you know, a, a global view, a world view, I want to grow in it further. How do I do that? On the back of your outlines, I'm giving you four action steps. And here's what I would say to you. As your missions pastor, number one, pray. You've got to pray. It begins with prayer. You say, how? And, and you can look at these later. They're on your outline. Look at them later. But number one, get this book called Pray for the World. This is the number one book I use to help me intelligently pray. All the countries in the world are listed here. And guess what? We purchased 500 of them to give you a copy today, one per family. When you go from here, go to the Mission Center, pick up your copy. Please do so. If you can provide a $5 donation, that would be amazing. But if you don't have it, please take one. We want all of you to receive one, one per family, and uh, an amazing tool. You could be watching the news and all of a sudden you hear a country, I've never heard of that, and you flip this open, keep it by the TV and go, oh, Romania, and you got one page on Romania, and then pray for Romania. Second thing would be to get a map. There's only 238 geographic countries in the world and 197 political countries. You can memorize all of those countries. I have. You can do it. It'll take you a while, but get a map. Everywhere I go, you ought to see my house. Maps everywhere, because I'm always wanting to pray for the world. As your missions pastor, I should be. But if you want to grow in your worldview, that's, that's something that will be helpful. Watch the news with missionary eyes and pray for the countries that God places on your hearts. When you hear a country, flip open, read about it, and begin praying for it. The second thing I would say to grow your worldview is learn. Enroll in our life transformation seminars. That's our adult discipleship track here at our church. And get to Seminar 401. That's on missions. And let me spend four hours with you on missions. I'm just giving you a little taste this morning. That would be a great thing. Also, read a book about missions from our bookstore. You go to the bookstore, all the missions books there, I personally selected, I personally endorse, and I know I've read most of them. They will impact your life deeply. Some of you have never read one book on missions. Go get a book today. Uh, also, go to www.joshuaproject.net, download the free Joshua Project app, and it will email you every single day a new unreached people group. And you can just, a little text, and you can learn about them, begin praying. Download my statistics. If you're like, Mark, these stats, they're amazing. Just go to the website, it's listed there, and you can download all of my stats. Another thing to do, go on a short-term missions trip. In our mission center today, I've written a brochure. The whole thing there will tell you how to go and talk to you about our philosophy of ministry. Grab that today. And the other thing, give. Y'all, you can't, everyone can't go, but you can give. Designate a portion of your finances to Three Crosses Missions. The only way it gets to our missions program is if you designate it to that. And by the way, my dream is we'd give a million dollars a year to missions. We, we're close, but that's my prayer. I've never said that publicly, but that's my dream. We give a little over 700000 a year, which is wonderful. I just pray, I keep praying for a million and also support an indigenous pastor. Hundreds of you do this. Go to our website. You can see all the information there. And give uh, 
to the support of an indigenous pastor. You can go in the, 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 the mission center today. I've written a brochure there on how you can do that, how you can adopt a pastor. Uh, we've done this in our own family. Here's a picture. For me um, and Tracy and our family, this is my bathroom where I shave in the morning. I have these profiles there, and I can shave and hopefully not miss and pray you know, for, for some of these missionaries that we support. The other day, I walked into my son's bathroom, which is kind of scary. You never know what's growing in there. You know what I mean? And I walked in, and this is what I saw. Here's a college student when, when I took this picture, and he's supporting, and I'm like, praise the Lord. His worldview is growing. My favorite missions quotes by a martyred missionary, Jim Elliott. I wish I had the time to tell you a story. He goes into Ecuador because he wants to reach an unreached people. Ten Indians surround him, spear him to death. They find his body washed down shore. He gave his life as a martyr. But in his journal is a statement that rocked my world when I first heard it. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. You cannot keep your money. You cannot bring it with you. He is no fool who gives it away. Our goal as a family, I can tell you right now, Tracy and I, is to give away more and more and more and more and more. Every year we give away more to missions. Yes, to my church, I tithe. And beyond that, I give. And I'll continue to give. And you encourage me to do so as well. Let me give you this final thought. I want to give you one more picture that the Bible gives us. A picture of heaven. A picture to help your worldview become what what God wants it to be. You want to have this picture. And right now I'm kind of stalling, waiting for the music to begin. There it is. <laughs> the Apostle John, he, he was taken by Jesus into the future. <laughs> and he wrote the book of Revelation. The whole book is absolutely stunning. But there's this picture in Revelation 7 that, that we have that, that emerges, that tells us how it all ends. And this must be part of your worldview as a Christian. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. This is John, what he's seeing. From every nation, tribe, people, and language. Did you catch that? From every nation. The Great Commission will be fulfilled. Standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell down on their faces before the throne and they worshiped God saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Did you catch that? Hallelujah. All 16,528 people groups represented in heaven. All those people for which Jesus died. His church finally fulfills the mission. Jesus comes back and we're all in heaven represented. All those people groups worshiping Christ, saying praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Make sure this picture is part of your worldview. Let's pray.